Hello, and welcome to Eddie Hurst's podcast version of The War of the Worlds with me, Eddie Hurst. This is a show where we treat H.G. Wells' seminal sci-fi novel, The War of the Worlds, as if it is an IKEA step-by-step guide somebody's mixed up. We throw in a few comedy songs, we have some guests, we do some deep dives of some research and topics that you might not have expected to find, and essentially, we come up with one hell of a weird-looking Billy bookcase. We're on chapter 13, How I Fell In With The Curate. But what is a curate? Great question. It's not like an art gallery curator or somebody who takes a museum collection. It's it's a, it's a term for a for a sort of a member of the priesthood. Uh, I've assumed it's the Anglican Church because it seems fair that if he's representing England's response to colonialism, it would be the, the most British thing he could find. And a, a curate basically falls in in the hierarchy of uh, of, of the Anglican Church. You've got bishop, priest, uh, deacon. The curate can be either a deacon or a or a priest. Basically, it's somebody below that, like an assistant to a priest or even a, a deacon assistant. So that's sort of that sort of range there is what is what you've got there. So not not like the biggest boy in town, but uh, uh, he probably lords over the people a bit, doesn't he? Uh, we'll take a look a little bit later at the hierarchy of where a curate sits when we sit down with my personal comedy friend, Tom Burgess. Tom Burgess is a fantastic sketch actor. He's appeared on BBC Radio 4 News Jack, among other shows. He's also in a fantastic double act called Sam and Tom, and he has a new podcast that he's releasing where he's working with an old children's television producer called Peter Fleming, who he definitely is just the assistant of. And knowing wink to the microphone. Also, we've got our first ever guest song. It's not, that's not the guest song. The guest song is by a fantastic band called Black Liver. They're a, they're a musical comedy band from Manchester and they're made up of Keith Carter and Ruth Cockburn. So we'll have a little chat with them later on and you can listen to their take on chapter 13. So where are we in the book? Well, chapter 12 was certainly thrilling. And as the heat ray went to and fro over Weybridge, its impact was marked by flashes of incandescent white that gave place at once to a smoky dance of lurid flame. And then, very slowly, I realised that by a miracle, I had escaped. It was out of the cold two and a half hour bath and into the scalding hot river. Our narrator finds himself not going to Leatherhead again, but uh, sort of knocking, knocking around, being a bit sad for himself. And that is when he meets, of course, the bastion of support that is the miserable curate. Could H.G. Wells be using the curate as a way of raising criticism to the Anglican Church? Look, I don't know, guys, but all I'm saying is yes, definitely that. Before we go into the episode proper, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to all of you guys for listening and um, for reviewing and sharing the podcast. This week has been huge. We've uh, we've broken a milestone record for downloads, and also uh, we are now officially in the top 100 sci-fi podcasts in Britain. That's just from you guys reviewing it and and sharing it out and subscribing. So thank you so much for what you've done for this. Please continue to do so. Tell other people. We've had some amazing stuff come in. We had some great artwork the other day that I've I've shared about. That's actually probably going to become our official logo because I just love it so much. And also something I'd like to do is if you've got a copy of The War of the Worlds, share it. Share share your copy with me. I want to see it. We've got um, these two guests today. They have very different illustration designs on both of them but they're both very cool uh one of them is peak 70s sci-fi the other looks a little like a spike milligan doodle and every every book has its own sort of illustration to it mine i will be honest is a little underwhelming i would love to see yours so send them over to me on you can do that on twitter or facebook or instagram on all of them i'm at eddie hurst or if you want just like a private send and i can 
upload it myself is uh, eddiehurst at gmail.com. So you can find out how to spell my name from the title of the podcast. It's not a spelling error, like many people insist, after even five email correspondents, which absolutely doesn't annoy me, as you can tell from my cool demeanor. Let's get on with the episode. Here we are. Chapter 13. How I fell in with the curate. After getting this sudden lesson in the power of terrestrial weapons, the Martians retreated to their original position upon Horsell Common, and in their haste, and encumbered with the debris of their smashed companion, they no doubt overlooked many such a stray and negligible victim as myself. Hey mate, don't talk yourself down. I for one think that you'd make a great Martian victim. Had they left their comrade and pushed forthwith, there was nothing at the time between them and London but batteries of 12-pounder guns, and they would certainly have reached the capital in advance of the tidings of their approach. As sudden, dreadful and destructive their advent would have been as the earthquake that destroyed Lisbon a century ago. Hi, it's me, the explaining lad. Sorry, I've just had a bit of a chance to get away from the old ball and chain and the little chainlets. Ball and chain's my wife, the chainlets, their children. 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 Anyway. The, the, the earthquake he's talking about, it's the 1755 earthquake of Lisbon. It killed over 60,000 people. It was a real story of the time. Portugal was one of the main colonial powers of that era, so it would have really rocked the world to hear about such a loss of life dramatically. One of the big problems was that a lot of the, a lot of the time that the earthquake hit, it was during mass and services at church, so many people died in quite a tragic extreme way altogether in the, the poor churches that weren't built to stand it. Anyway, I can hear, hear a shouting for me, so I better get back. Alright, love! But they were in no hurry. Cylinder followed Cylinder on its interplanetary flight. Every 24 hours brought them reinforcement, and meanwhile the military and naval authorities, now fully alive to the tremendous power of their antagonists, worked with furious energy. We are powered by Every minute a fresh gun came into position until, before twilight, every copse, every row of suburban villas on the hilly slopes about Kingston and Richmond, masked an expectant black muzzle. Okay, so we're actually in London now, like Richmond and King, things are getting pretty close. And through the charred and desolated area, perhaps 20 square miles altogether, that encircled the Martian encampment on Horsell Common, through charred and ruined villages among the green trees, through the blackened and smoking arcades that had not been but a day ago pine spinnies, crawled the devoted scouts with the heliographs that were presently to warn the gunners of the Martian approach. Hey, it's me again. All right, all right, I'm taking you to Macadese. Calm down. Sorry, it's me again explaining, lad. Just, uh, the heliographs. Do you remember them? They were the little, uh little mirror thing that you can uh, shine on the sunlight and it bounces it off it's back if you shine that watch face in my eyes again i will turn around but the martians now understood our command of artillery and the danger of human proximity and not a man ventured within a mile of either cylinder save at the price of his life da, da, da. it would seem that these giants spent the earlier part of the afternoon in going to and fro transferring everything from the second and third cylinders the second in Adelston Golf Links. Not, Not the, the Adelston Golf Links! The real victim of this whole thing has been golfers, hasn't it? The Byfleet Golf Links, they're knackered. The Adelston Golf Links, they're knackered. What's next? Richmond Golf Links? I don't know if they have golf links. Maybe. 
and the third at Pyreford, to their original pit on Horsell Common. Over that, above the blackened heather and ruined buildings that stretched far and wide, stood one as sentinel, while the rest abandoned their vast fighting machines and descended into the pit. They were hard at work there far into the night, and the towering pillar of dense green smoke that rose therefrom could be seen from the hills about Merrow, and even, it is said, from Banstead and Epsom Downs. Hooey, this sure is getting one mighty yarn to spin. Folks were saying that you could see the Martians all the way from Banstead to the Epsom Downs. Um, I'm very sorry to any American listeners that had to hear that accent. I mean, I'm very sorry to anyone that had to hear that accent. Cool-wee! And while the Martians behind me were thus preparing for their next sally, and in front of me humanity gathered for the battle, I made my way with infinite pains and labour from the fire and smoke of burning Weybridge towards London. Hey, hey, one minute, please! Sorry, sorry, uh, just joining again. Uh, Sally, let's explain Sally. It, it, it's like a charge, it's a rushing, but in a military term, so it's sort of like a, like a, it, 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 it was a phrase, it, it comes from the French salir, so it's salir, Sally, so if you, if you put that into an English accent, it's Sally, rather than, uh, rather than salir, as they would in French, that's my official French accent there, so, uh, just, that's all you need to, shut, I will get back there, and turn this car round! I saw an abandoned boat very small and remote, drifting downstream. And throwing off the most of my sodden clothes, I went after it, gained it, and so escaped out of that destruction. Okay, narrator, you're really lucky to survive that Martian attack. What a tiff that was, just by the skin of your teeth. I, I for one, am really glad that you're still here. Um, I was just wondering, what's your plan to get back to your wife? Oh yeah, thanks for asking. So actually, I've decided, rather than Leatherhead, I'm gonna head to London. Right, okay, uh, why is that? Well, because the Martians are heading there. Right, so you're going to go to the area that you think the Martians are going to head to. Okay, fine, sure. So what, what's the plan there? What are you going to do? Are you going to just, like, find the army and then see if you can go through military protection to get into that area? Or are you going to follow the roads because the paths will leave? No, glad you asked me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to strip off all possible wet clothes that I've got in the freezing English weather. I'm going to steal a boat and then I'm going to float down, hopefully, the river that will take me some way towards London. Right, is this just because you can't ride a bike there? Uh, no, just gotta go, gotta get the boat now. See you later, see you later. Unbelievable. There were no oars in the boat, but I contrived to paddle, as well as my parboiled hands would allow, down the river towards Halliford and Walton, going very tediously and continually looking behind me, as you may well understand. I followed the river because I considered that the water gave me the best chance of escape should these giants return. You know what, fair enough. I did I did go into him a bit heavy about not riding the bike there, but if the heat ray comes back, he's probably going to be safest in the water. The hot water from the Martian's overthrow drifted downstream with me, so that for the best part of a mile I could see little of either bank. Wait, so the water's still far too hot for you really to comfortably be in? You could get out and just go on the land, but you've decided to go in the boat with the boiling water. What? What's wrong with you? Once, however, I made out a string of black figures hurrying across the meadows from the direction of Weybridge. Halliford, it seemed, was deserted, and several of the houses facing the river were on fire. I mean, if, if Wells is anything else to go by from the previous chapters, chances are that the houses that are on fire, uh, one of them's definitely an orphanage, probably another's a dog rescue, and, and probably like a food bank or something. It was strange to see the place quite tranquil, quite desolate under the hot blue sky, with the smoke and little threads of flame going straight up into the heat of the afternoon. 
Never before have I seen houses burning without the accompaniment of an obstructive crowd. Finally! All it took was me being boiled alive, stripped of all my clothes and stealing a boat to finally get away from the general public! A little farther on, the dry reeds at the bank were smoking and glowing, and a line of fire inland was marching steadily across a late field of hay. For a long time I drifted. So painful and weary was I after the violence I had been through, and so intense the heat upon the water. Then my fears got the better of me again, and I resumed my paddling. The sun scorched my bare back. At last, as the bridge at Walton was coming into sight round the bend, my fever and faintness overcame my fears, and I landed on the Middlesex bank and lay down, deadly sick, amid the long grass. I suppose the time was then about four or five o'clock. I got up presently, walked perhaps half a mile without meeting a soul, and then lay down again in the shadow of a hedge. This is a prime narrator sleeping spot, right? We've had a factory brick shed, we've had the bottom of the stairs, now we've got a hedge. On brand. I seem to remember talking, wonderingly, to myself during that last spurt. I was also very thirsty, and bitterly regretful I had drank no more water. It's a curious thing that I felt angry with my wife. I cannot account for it, but my impotent desire to reach Leatherhead worried me excessively. Brilliant, that's his takeaway. That's the emotion he has for his wife at this point, not, Oh, I want to see her! Oh, I'm worried about it! Oh, I'm so mad at my wife for being safe! I do not clearly remember the arrival of the curate, so that probably I dozed. I became aware of him as a seated figure in soot smudge shirt sleeves. And with his upturned, clean-shaven face staring at a faint flickering that danced over the sky. The sky was what is called a mackerel sky. Rows and rows of faint down plumes of sky, just tinted with midsummer sunset. I see how it is, I get a little busy, I can't pop in, and all of a sudden H.G. Wells just decides he's going to do all the explaining. Well, well, good luck with that, I'll, 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 wait, I'll wait until there's another dated reference, and then we'll see who needs explaining. I sat up, and at the rustle of my motion, he looked at me quickly. The role of the curate will be performed by Tom Burgess. So, um, War of the Worlds is um, a novel about Martians coming. Oh, what's a sorry, Martians? What's that? Right. So it's somebody from Mars. It's a thing from Mars. What's, sorry, what's uh, Mars? Can you? Okay. Yeah. No, Mars is a planet in the solar system. Um, it's uh, next to Earth. Um. Um. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no. So. Do you know the sun? You need to stop. <laughs> so I wanted to have you in the show. Thank you very much for coming along. It's a pleasure. As the curate. Um, have you heard of the curate before? Um, I hadn't. And I, I'd heard of a curate's egg, whether that's going to come up in a later chapter. <laughs> what is a curate's egg? I've no idea. I, I hope this novel is the origin of it. <laughs> I thought to myself, I should find out what a curate is first, but I've just never been bothered. <laughs> To find out. You want the first 50 before the yeah. second. As, as far as I can tell from this, it's just quite an obnoxious man. Um, so if yeah, that's... so if there's someone being a bit smug about their egg, that's what, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> and that's why I thought you were the perfect guy for this job. 
Well, that's that's a bit. I mean, we've not done the chapter yet at this point, so I could still bail if you're going to be. Oh, shit. If you're going to be all. I just... If you're going to be sassing me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I re- can I, I rescind my sass? Thank you. So there's a curate in the Catholic Church, and also within the Anglican Church, but I'm I'm assuming because of the way that he's described and sort of his temperament, it's in the Anglican Church rather than the Catholic Church. I was interpreting him when reading through this as Anglican, but I think that's just my own Anglican prejudice. For I am... Are you Anglican? I am Anglican. Right. I think, well, I think I was baptised a Presbyterian in, in Barry. Sure, aren't we all? But, um, but I've only ever gone to, I've only ever gone to an Anglican church, I think. Well, it's high church, so it's sort of Anglo-Catholic, so I think it includes a lot of the kind of high church stuff and all the, the incense and kind of ritual, but it is the... It's an Anglican ritual, the one that I grew up going to, because they've got the extra bit at the end of the Lord's Prayer. That's how you know. What's the extra bit? For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. That bit. Catholics don't do that. I thought it was going to be like, amen, amen, amen. Yeah. P.S. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to, did you go to, to, to church every week? I think it was probably more for my mum's sake, because she was the organist. And I think she especially... She is a believer, but I think she uh, loves it especially for the music. Um, and I think it was through the music that I kind of spent my childhood going there on Sunday. But, you know, it, it, it was part of my Sunday routine, but so too was watching Robot Wars and Lee and Herring's This Morning with Richard, Not Judy. They were all kind of equal parts of my, <laughs> my Sunday routine. Yeah, actually, I have heard the musical. My double act partner, Sam Nicaresti, got it for me for my 24th birthday in Edinburgh 2015. I can't think of a more on-brand gift to get you than the War of the Worlds musical. Yeah, I think he, I think he got me that and the Taxi Driver soundtrack. So between... <laughs> it's quite a nice coupling to Wow. Have. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the most fun. It's War of the Worlds. Taxi Driver's very moody. I, the, there is at the end, though, that bonus track, Are You Looking At Me, 92 Ibiza Mix. Which that is... is surprising <laughs> are you looking at me i don't see anybody else here <laughs> that's we all remember that bit can you do the look could you do the full version now please you talking to me well i'm the only one here you talking to me never seen the film okay to get you to understand the curate within within the anglican church a bit more so i want to play a little game with you that i'm going to call i'm going to tell you uh, ranks within the anglican church and i want you to guess whether you think that a curate is higher up in the hierarchy or lower down <laughs> first off we're going in with a parson hmm. um I'm going to say a curate is slightly higher. A parson is lower. No! So Wait, a parson is lower? The curate is lower than a parson. I think I should, t- I think I should take your first answer. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> a, a, 
a parson is a way, is another way of saying priest of a particular right. area, and a priest is higher than a curate. So what? I mean, bad luck first time. All right. Uh, how about um, a primate? Is it like like, a, like an ape? No, 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 no. It's a it's a it's a it's a, a place within the within the Anglican Church. Just set primate. Primate. Higher or lower? Yeah, primate. Yeah, but that just is a curate higher. But that than sounds a like an ape, so it must be lower than a curate. Surely. You're. I'm sorry, mate. Uh, a primate. But it's, it's a bloody ape. A primate is actually a, re- a term for. Let me get the exact word here. A it's pr- a term for an ape. <laughs> a primate is a bishop who presides over the Anglican Church in a large region, or even an entire nation. So that's like one of the higher roles within, within, uh, within, within the Anglican Church, because bishops are pretty high up. <laughs> well, no, no wonder the church numbers are declining, given they're being run by a bunch of bloody apes. <laughs> uh, I'd just like to apologise to the Anglican Church. We didn't mean that. It's just a I, joke. No, I, well, uh, sure. I, I did actually. I did. Okay. Just, Sorry, I just. Um, I'll cut that. I, I just. Uh, I think you made a little mistake with your apology. I'll cut. Then. I'll cut it out. In- I'm going to say bloody apes a lot now for the rest of this chat. So if you cut it out, it's not going to make any sense. Uh, how about a ordinary? Is an ordinary higher or lower than a curate? Um, so far, we, we've been they've been going higher, haven't they? So so an ordinary must be lower. An ordinary is higher than a curate. Well, you know what they say, bloody apes. How about a vicar? Vicar higher or lower? Lower. <laughs> I knew it. Yes, that's right. A curate, a curate is lower than a vicar. Uh, um, okay. Uh, Looking back, I think I might only have met vicars in my time frolicking in the church. Uh, you've done okay so far. You've got one out of um, about five, I think. Uh, but that's not bad. It's 20%. It's not bad. It's better than zero. Better than zero. That's a... Better than zero. A deacon. Higher or lower? Ooh, that is a, a bloody ape of a question, isn't it? Um, I think I think I'm going to say deacon is higher than a curate. A deacon is the same level or lower than a curate. So that's that's two answers that aren't higher, which means they cancel each other out to go higher. You got it wrong twice. But but two wrongs make a right. That's what they that's what they've always said. What it, I'm so sorry, Tom. You got double. Double wrong. I'm gonna. I hate this. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take away your point from before, because you got two wrong. Well, you know what? You are vile <laughs> for, for humiliating me like this. So at the end of that, you got naught, <laughs> zero. I, w- I was gonna say I am neither Anglican nor a friend. <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, we should read the book. I'm, I've, I've heard it's quite good. Have you any water? I asked abruptly. He shook his head. You have been asking for water for the last hour, he said. For a moment, we were silent, taking stock of each other. I dare say he found me a strange enough figure, naked, save for my water-soaked trousers and socks. You got a hot, hot lad in the water, stripping off. So, naked, apart from 50% of my body being covered. I was absolutely starkers, apart from my entire lower half. Scalded, and my face and shoulders blackened by the smoke. His face was a fair weakness. His chin retreated, and his hair lay in crisp, almost flaxen curls on his low forehead. His eyes were rather large, pale blue, 
and blankly staring. He spoke abruptly, looking vacantly away from me. I don't know about you guys, but given that incredibly unflattering description that the narrator is... I don't know about you guys, but if that really unflattering description of the curate is anything to go by, I think the narrator and the curate are going to get on like a house on fire. By which I mean, there's going to be a lot of panic, there's, people are probably going to have a look at blaming one another for it, and really it's just going to be a horrible time. What does it mean? He said. What do these things mean? I stared at him but made no answer. He extended a thin white hand and spoke in almost a complaining tone. Why are these things permitted? What sins have we done? The morning service was over. I was walking through the roads to clear my brain for the afternoon. And then, fire, earthquake, death! As if it were Sodom and Gomorrah. All our work undone. All the work. What are these? Martians. What a wait, I answered, clearing my throat. <clears> throat. Sure, the narrator may have just survived a Martian attack. He might be partly scalded, partly burning, just gotten off a boat, naked to the waist, uh, lying, on the, lying on the grass. But don't worry, guys, he's still got time to philosophise. He's a pro. He never switches off, except when he's in a cold bath for two and a half hours. He gripped his knees and turned to look at me again. For half a minute, perhaps, he stared silently was walking through the roots to clear my brain. You clear your head? What's he clearing his brain? He said. And suddenly, fire, earthquake, death! He relapsed into silence, with his chin now sunken almost to his knees. Presently, he began waving his hand. All the work, all the Sunday schools, what have we done? What has Waybridge done? Everything gone, everything destroyed. The church, we rebuilt it only three years ago. Gone, swept out of existence. Why? Another pause, and he broke out again like one demented. The smoke of her burning goes up forever and ever! He shouted. His eyes flamed and he pointed a lean finger in the direction of Weybridge. By this time I was beginning to take his measure. I don't know what it was, but I simply got the impression he was upset. I mean, like, after every time the curate speaks, the narrator should say, I began to suspect he was upset. The tremendous tragedy in which he had been involved, it was evident he was a fugitive from Weybridge, had driven him to the very verge of his reason. Uh, it's important to say at this time, he's not an actual fugitive like one of the prisoners that we saw on the banks. He's just a fugitive, isn't He's escaped from it. I don't really understand why he's decided to use the word fugitive in this time. It, like, he's a fugitive from the Martians. The Martians are the police now. We've got space cops. I don't know. I All I, all I know is that I'm going to put a space cop little bit in here. Hey, we're the space cop Martians! That sounds like something I'd do, doesn't it? All right, let's move on. Are we far from Sunbury? I asked in a matter-of-fact tone. What are we to do? He asked. Are these creatures everywhere? Has the earth been given over to them? Are we far from Sunbury? Only this morning I officiated an early celebration. Things have changed, I said quietly. You must keep your head. There is still hope. <laughs> hope? Yes, plentiful hope for all this destruction. I can't figure out that line. <laughs> 
like I, 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 he's, he's saying it like it for there must mean it in spite of. I think so. For all this destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Because that threw me when I read it. Yes, because there's blended all hope that we're all going to die. There's going to be a stinking mess here. <laughs> That's why I think he's stinking. They're obviously not on the same page, are they? Because the narrator said to him, you must keep your head. That's not his language. He should have <laughs> no, said, you must keep brain. your brain. <laughs> I began to explain my view of our position. He listened at first, but as I went on, the interest dawning in his eyes gave place to their former stare and his regard wandered from me. This must be the beginning of the end. He said, interrupting me. Sorry, I wasn't listening to you just then. The end! The great and terrible day of the Lord, when men shall call upon the mountains and the rocks to fall upon them and hide them, hide them from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne. I began to understand the position. I began to suspect the curate was upset. I ceased my laboured reasoning, struggled to my feet, and, standing over him, laid my hand on his shoulder. Be a man, said I. You are scared out of your wits. What good is religion if it collapses under calamity? Think of what earthquakes and floods, wars and volcanoes have done before to men. Did you think God had exempted Weybridge? He is not an insurance agent. Can I just say, don't, don't just tell me to man up. It's, that's harmful. That, that hurts people when you say that. It turns out that the real invasion was toxic masculinity. For a time, he sat in blank silence. But how can we escape? He asked, suddenly. They are invulnerable. They are pitiless. Neither the one nor perhaps the other, I answered. And the mightier they are, the more sane and wary should we be. One of them was killed yonder not three hours ago. I love that the narrator has spent approximately a morning and maybe some evening with a soldier and all of a sudden he feels like he's got all of the information to keep his head together to be a survival expert. He's showing the same amount of confidence as somebody who's hammered through a Bear Grylls box set does to surviving in the wild and I am here for it. Killed! He said, staring about him. How can God's ministers be killed? I saw it happen. I proceeded to tell him. We have chanced to come in for the thick of it, said I. And that is all. What is that flicker in the sky? He asked abruptly. I told him it was the heliograph signalling, that it was the sign of human help and effort in the sky. We are in the midst of it, I said, quiet as it is. That flicker in the sky tells of the gathering storm. Yonder, I take, are the Martians and Londonwood, where those hills rise about Richmond and Kingston and the trees give cover, Earthworks are being thrown up and guns are being placed. Presently, the Martians will be coming this way again. And even as I spoke, he sprang to his feet and stopped me by a gesture. Listen! So, we're just about to have the song by Black Liver, uh, which is Keith Carter and Ruth Cockburn. Um, I sat down and had a little chat with them guys because they're both fantastic stand-up comedians in their own right and now have made a sort of comedy supergroup double act within Black Liver. Uh, so, we'll have that little chat now and then we'll have the song straight afterwards. Let's go. Three, uh, two, uh... It's the only book... No, there's two books that I've actually read more than once mm. from childhood. Uh, that one and... Well, War of the Worlds, obviously, and um, I'm Legend. Oh, right. So I'll still read it. Because yeah. it's one of those you can read in an hour. Is it? Nice. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> more, it's a novella. Oh, is it? I love, I love 
And then when anybody, anybody talks about War of the Worlds, they go, well, I'm not going to read it. So you should read it because it's more about the human condition. <laughs> I think you'll find that, uh, some very good commentary on the, yeah, dis- dis- the dissipation of news uh, in, in, in that time. So <laughs> actually, yeah. it really says more about us than it does the Martians. Thank you. It does. It's, it's, it's about human reaction and the, the apathy of the human race, even then. And it, it still resonates today. Thank you. <laughs> Could you tell me a bit about Black Lives? Did you guys Lives? start quite recently? Yeah, yeah, it was the beginning of lockdown because we kind of, well, we've had the idea last year nice. when we were up in Edinburgh yeah. and we were wandering around Edinburgh and we watched right. um, Primal Theme. I want to play loud, but the name Black Liver came out of that Edinburgh, so last year's yeah, Edinburgh. As a joke, said Alfie, we're in a band, what do you want to call it? And we didn't want to be called came, the Fools. Fair. Yeah, that came out first. And then we kept, we had plans and plans, but because we were both gigging and out and about, not really having time, and then lockdown happened, and we were locked, locked yeah, in together. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, um, let's do something let's, with it. Yeah, so every week we went, right, here's another, yeah. another song, another video, another song. What else what can we film in the flat? <laughs> Thank you so much for doing a song for, for the podcast. It's amazing. Oh, it's great. It's absolutely great. What's it called? The Oasis, the Beatles, the Ruttles, Radio Radiohead, perform Chapter 13 <laughs> of H.G. Wells, War of the World. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, it's great. It's, it sounds absolutely on brand for the podcast. Like Good. trying to make it, <laughs> casting a large reference net of very niche things. Which is perfect. Yeah. Just before we started recording, uh, we spoke about War of the Worlds, um, the the fi- Jeff Wayne version, and that. What was the vinyl you had when you were a little little boy? I had loads of vinyl good off it. Yeah. We had the best of Motown box set, but the top one because I wanted it anyway was War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, gatefold, boom, booklet, pristine, literally pristine. It was one of those. If you were looking at it, because that'd be like. Uh, you're not eating anything and then there's only a handful of pages for that booklet but the pictures just amazing i think there's a guy i think one of the artists a guy called alan aldridge it, you, it was epic before you even listened to it the picture i liked was the victory was the route you know woman running uh, part of a victorian attire was ripped batman tipping a bit horses Oh, the big, the big thing, and the part of the building actually being destroyed and starting to collapse towards them. Oh yeah, I thought that would have been a great film. I liked the one where the ra- the I, I don't know if it's a crow, a, a crow or a raven. I'm assuming it's a crow because a raven's like more dignified in it. So why would a raven be having scrap? I mean, a raven does have scraps, but it's not worth the mental mental effort to try and figure this out. <laughs> the bit with the black bird. Eating the dead Martian. That's my favourite. That dead Martian blackbird. Yeah, dead Martian blackbird. That's my favourite song on the album. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was forgot to say we were planning. Out, we got really. We had a few drinks a few weeks ago. Things when we were talking about um, writing it, and I suggested to Ruth if we ever got if Black Liver ever get on um, the Royal Variety performance, yeah. we're gonna do Jeff Wayne's. Uh, pass, you know, I'll be the pass. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Ruth with Beth. And for no this, this was um, decided and it is gone right.
no, no, we're not writing anything on our own. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be amazing. And then I got a whole rendition, and then I had to. Uh, then she had to sing. There must be yes. something worth living for. Yeah. Right. So I can go. No, there is not. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbours love it. I don't believe it's so. <laughs> Flat leather studs. Queenie will love it. It's like a leather cure. Yeah, leather yeah. parson. Yeah. Get the only bit I really want to do. Beth, <gasps> she's dead. <laughs> Why? Why did you take one of your own? <laughs> and I'll be dancing. We'll have people dressed as tripods, yeah, yeah. dancing about. Yeah. Children sure. dressed as tripods, dancing in front, so I can get out the way. <laughs> oh, no, they come to me, and my base turns into a crucifix, and I reenact. <laughs> A page of the actual booklet. Oh my god! Like, not even in proportion. Precisely. Yes. iPods aren't big enough in that picture, so it's sort of like a reference to it. That's hashtag. If you know, you know. So, where can people where can people find find Black Liver's work, and where can people find your your individual work? We have um, a website which is blackliver.co.uk. So it's got loads of stuff on. Uh, we started. It's got loads of stories and videos. Of, yeah, stories and videos. Uh, Keeps musical facts. I'll do, I'll do one. One musical fact. Chuck Berry was originally going to call himself Fling Current. <laughs> and apart from that, uh, we'll be learning uh, Beth and the Parson. Happen 
He said, from beyond the low hills across the water came the dull resonance of distant guns and a remote, weird crying. Then everything was still. A cockchafer came droning down over the hedge and past us. Right, it's an insect. Before you say anything, a cockchafer is an insect. Get your head out of the gutter. I have no time for it. For the shafer of the cock. Unbelievable. <coughs> High in the west, the crescent moon hung faint and pale above the smoke of Weybridge and Shepperton, and the hot, still splendour of the sunset. We had better follow this path, I said, northward. And there you have it, heading northward. Um, I'll be honest, I did have a look on the Google Maps, and I couldn't help but notice that Northwood is uh, more or less 100% the wrong direction for getting back to Leatherhead like he wanted to. But I'm sure, it's, I'm sure there's reasoning behind what he's doing. I'm sure definitely something going on. He won't just abandon his wife again. We've not known him to do that before. So, guys, this is the end of Chapter 13. However, Limb of the Carrot. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please do review share and rate the podcast like i said it really helps in getting the visibility up for it which is amazing um, and also a massive thank you to all the guests we had on this show we had tom burgers and black liver you can find tom burgers he's on twitter at tomb underscore urges and he's also in the fantastic double act sam and tom uh, he's got a new podcast which i've been listening to and it might be my favorite podcast at the moment uh, other than this one of course <laughs> uh, so it's it's called into the archives with peter fleming it's where he works with the definitely not comedy character and well beloved uh, children's tv producer from the 60s peter fleming and he goes into the into the archives trying to find his work in all those tapes that have been deleted by the bbc certainly not on purpose another knowing wink to the microphone you can also see black liver they've got a facebook page which is black liver they're on twitter at black liver 4 uh, they're on instagram at black underscore liver and you can follow individually keith carter at keith carter yeah and at at ruth e cockburn so follow them on there they release videos more or less every week and they're fantastic they're really great very funny a testament to the power of what you can do when you've been trapped in your house for nearly a year you can follow me of course at eddie hurst on instagram facebook twitter send us an email eddiehurst at gmail.com please do send me your book covers i'd love to see them just for out of interest but also i think it'd be quite nice to get people to share them it'd be nice if we could make like an online catalog of every single war of the world's book cover because you know loads of people have done them like edward gorey did one you know that victorian guy who does the creepy little illustrations he did it uh, of course jeff wayne's war of the worlds as we speak about earlier has some fantastic illustrations in there so it'd be really great to get them all together anyway guys thank you very much and i will see you 
Uh, actually, it's quite a special one. I'll see you in a few days because we're doing a Halloween special. That's going to be a wolf. Um, which we're going to be reading The Red Room, one of Wells' most famous ghost stories. But is there a ghost? Or is it The Red Room? At... I mean, you're going to find out. You're definitely going to find out. Thanks very much, guys. I'll see you in a couple of days. And please do rate, subscribe, share, review. Bye, 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 bye. Eddie Hurst podcast version of The War of the Worlds is created and produced by Eddie Hurst, written by Eddie Hurst and H.G. Wells. Special thanks this week to Tom Burgess and Black Liver. Please, our theme tune is by the fantastic Ichabod Wolf. At the moment, more or less every Friday, Bandcamp are waving their fees, so I'd very much recommend you to go and buy his album, which is Carry On Crow, that the song's from. It's an absolutely amazing album, and the song is called Fall of Saigon. Like, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on at Eddie Hurst. Uh, get in touch on eddiehurst at gmail.com. Thanks very much, guys. See you again. Bye.